Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here today. We thank you. We love you. We honor you. And uh, we're excited to celebrate you today. If you're joining us for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, I want to ask you to do me a favor and fill out our Connect card. Uh, There's a few different ways that you can do that. Later on in the service, we'll have a a slide up with a QR code and a number you can text. There's a paper way for you to do it in the bulletin and drop it as you leave today. We just wanna get some information from you, see how we can serve you the best way that we can. Uh, But today we're in the the fifth and final week of this series over the Lord's Prayer. Uh, And before we jump in, I wanna let you know of a few things that we do here at church that you may be interested in as we're concluding a series on prayer. Uh, First is that at the end of every service, every Sunday, we have people that we call prayer partners come up here and stand right in front of the stage at the end of service. And they're here to pray over you to pray for you. So if there's something that's going on in your life and you need prayer for that, we wanna ask that you would come up at the end of service and meet with them and they're gonna pray with you and encourage you. Uh, and we, we love uh, to do that. So uh, make use of that. We also have a weekly prayer time. Uh, that's Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. If you're interested in being a part of that and coming out, we'd love to have you. They meet and pray right here in this room every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, So you're welcome to to join for that, but uh, great opportunities to receive prayer, to pray together with others and and all of that. But we're wrapping this up today and we've spent five weeks going verse by verse, line by line through this model for prayer that Jesus gave us. And today we're gonna talk about the final piece of that. And this is a piece that might be a little bit more difficult for us to understand uh, because it talks about a subject that is something beyond what we see or physically experience in this life. It's something I'll explain that, that interferes with the world we live in, but it's often confusing or difficult for us to understand. Uh, but I want us to take one last look at the whole prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is what Jesus says. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today, we're just gonna look at the last verse, the part before the benediction. First part of verse 13, Jesus says this, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, all right? In the first week of the series, we talked about praise. You know, Jesus started the prayer by saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're praising God. Then we moved into purpose. We talked about praying for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth and in our lives, just as it is in heaven. And then we talked about provision. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about the weight of that. Last week, we talked about people and forgiveness and that part of the the, the prayer. Today, we're gonna look at this last verse and we're gonna talk about protection, all right? The fifth element that Jesus taught us to include in our daily prayer is a prayer for spiritual protection, all right? And this was important to Jesus. Otherwise, 
he wouldn't have included it in the Lord's Prayer, right? If this didn't matter to him, he would have left this out of the model for prayer or the lesson on prayer that he gave us. But what he's saying is, hey, I want this to be a part of your daily prayer life. I want you to learn to pray for God's protection so that you'll learn to trust in that. And I believe that that's what happens. Just like everything else we've talked about in this series, when we pray for God to protect us, and then he does protect us, our faith in him and his protection increases. Uh, But if you look at this verse, there are two different phrases that Jesus uses. And I want us to, for a second, look at them separately. Uh, First, he says, do not lead us into temptation. And that might be kind of confusing because we know that God is not the one who tempts us, right? James makes that very clear, that Jesus isn't the one who tempts us with sin. God doesn't cause us to sin. God doesn't dangle temptations in front of our faces to try to tempt us. That's not who God is. That's not in his nature. That's not in his character. So Jesus isn't asking us to pray, God, please don't tempt me today. Okay, don't misunderstand it. Don't take it the wrong way. Jesus is saying, do not lead us into temptation. Here's the way I take this. Jesus is teaching us to pray, God, help me to withstand temptation today when it comes into my life. Help me not to take the the pathway that generally leads me toward my biggest area of failure, right? Help me to avoid making the, the choices in my life that end up being pitfalls that I fall into, right? Do not lead me into temptation. Does that make sense? That's the first part of the prayer. Then Jesus says, and deliver us from the evil one. Today, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. When Jesus prayed the final part of this prayer, do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one, I believe he's teaching us that we should ask for God's protection from spiritual warfare. And today I'm just really gonna give you a very brief overview of what this means in the context of the Lord's Prayer. But if you're new around here and you want a deeper explanation of this, I did 12 messages on spiritual warfare last year that you can find online and and listen to. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Uh, But today we're just going to look at this final part of the Lord's Prayer, and I'm gonna kind of sum up a 12-week recap sort of in this prayer for God's protection. Uh, And I think that this is a very interesting topic. This is a topic that we don't talk about very much in church, especially in Baptist churches. And here's what I've noticed, which is very interesting. Uh, I haven't been a, a Baptist my entire life, but I am now, and I'm very involved with our local organization, with our state organization, and, and what we talk, we just, we're talking about this in a group this week, how interesting it is that the Baptist churches are losing their minds right now over the way other churches are not teaching the full truth of scripture. And I get that. And I think that we should. I think that the Bible is the fully authoritative and true word of God and that every part of it matters to our lives, 100%, no doubt whatsoever. But the Baptist church is getting frustrated at churches that aren't teaching the full truths of scripture, yet they haven't taught about spiritual warfare. They haven't taught about the Holy Spirit. They haven't taught about any of these things that are in scripture, right? If you're wondering, what is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is something the Bible has a lot to say about. And it's something that we shy away from talking in our Baptist churches while we sit in our pews and say, look at those churches over there and how they're not teaching the full truth of scripture. So I did 12 weeks, because when I go, I go hard, right? 12 weeks. But today I wanna give you just a a recap. And 
One of the things that I want to remind you of and reemphasize as we talk about spiritual warfare are the two extreme views of the, the topic of spiritual warfare. One extreme view is made up of people who are obsessed with spiritual warfare. These people are superstitious, truly. People on this end of the spectrum tend to believe that everything is spiritual warfare. If you sneeze, it's a demon. And here's my opinion on that. My opinion is if everything is spiritual, then nothing is spiritual. I believe that, okay? The problem with this extreme is the simple fact that we live in a, in a natural world, okay? We're living on earth. This is a natural world. We're not in heaven yet where everything is spiritual, okay? In other words, because we live in a world that is natural, there are sometimes natural explanations to the things that happen to us while we're here on earth, okay? The other extreme is the opposite. These people are skeptical. People on this extreme tend to believe that there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. Everything has a natural explanation. And typically this is where the Baptist church stands. The problem with this extreme is the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual warfare, okay? So in the middle of the two extremes is a biblical understanding of spiritual warfare where some things that happen to us have a natural explanation and other things that happen to us have a spiritual explanation. According to scripture, there is a very real spiritual world that exists and it interferes with our world and our lives here on earth. And again, that's very difficult for us to understand, but I'm convinced that we don't understand it, not because we can't see it or not because we can't touch it or not because we don't experience it physically, I'm convinced that it's difficult for us to understand because we haven't been taught about it. Because we haven't understood the importance of studying these passage of, passages of scripture. But when you pair that with the reality that we can't see it, that we can't touch it, that we can't always experience it physically, that creates a, a climate where we live where it's very easy for us to say, well, I don't believe in spiritual warfare. Because if I can't see it, it must not be true. And when we approach spiritual warfare that way, we end up ignoring something that the Bible has a lot to say about. Most of the conversations that I have with people about spiritual warfare go that way. Well, I don't really believe in that because I can't see it or feel it or experience it physically. Uh, and if that's where you are today, I wanna remind you that we gather here every Sunday to worship a God that we cannot see or touch or experience physically. We experience his creation. We experience the way he moves and works in our lives. We experience his presence. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, Christians find it very easy to believe in a God who is invisible. But when we start talking about other things that are invisible, like spiritual warfare, we get pretty skeptical and uncomfortable. So if that's how you're feeling this morning, that's okay. Just hang in there, all right? Stick with me for a few minutes. We're not gonna do anything scary today. We're not gonna have any seances in service or exorcisms because this isn't that kind of church, okay? But we are gonna talk about things that are real. We're gonna talk about them in a practical way. We're gonna talk about things that we experience in our everyday lives, whether we realize it or not. And if it weren't that way, Jesus wouldn't have included it in the Lord's prayer. Are you with me this morning? So there are things that happen to us that have a natural explanation and we can't ignore that, right? But there are also things that happen to us that have a spiritual explanation and we don't want to ignore that either. 
Because there's a real spiritual realm that exists all around us where things are taking place that we can't see or touch or physically experience. And if you're wondering again, why do you believe that? Because the Bible says so, okay? The Bible's clear. It can be trusted. It's a reliable source. We don't wanna be superstitious. We don't wanna be skeptical. We want to be biblical. And I believe that every word of the Bible is true. And I believe that every word of the Bible matters, okay? So we don't wanna go to bed afraid that the demonic forces of the dark are gonna get us while we're asleep. But we do want to understand something that is real. And here's why I think this is so important. There's a lot of devils in the room today sending text messages. Here's why this is so important. We live in a world that is trapped in a stronghold of hopelessness. The Bible tells us very clearly that Satan blinds the eyes of those who don't believe in God to the gospel. And when you take the good news of the message of the gospel to people who are trapped in hopelessness, I believe that Satan gets angry. And that's where spiritual warfare comes into play. So again, I'm just gonna give you an overview and we're gonna take a look at a few verses that will help us to understand a few basic and important truths about this. And hopefully by the end of this, we'll understand why Jesus wants us to pray and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, all right? Here's the first thing I want you to know today. Number one, our real fight is spiritual the real issues, the biggest issues of your life that you're dealing with today are spiritual. Does that mean that you might have natural issues? Absolutely. But the biggest battle you're fighting is a spiritual battle. Let me just say it this way. Your real fight is not political, okay? It might be disguised as a political problem, but what you find at the root of it is a spiritual problem. If the gospel really has the power to change people's lives, and I believe it does, then it also has the power to change the way we interact. The problem is we live in a world where a significant percentage of the people are blinded to the gospel. We live in a world where a significant percentage of people are trapped in sin, trapped in hopelessness. So with that being said, our real fight, it's spiritual. It's not political. It's not cultural. It has nothing to do with money. Here's what we're missing the root cause of many of the issues that we face in this life is spiritual blindness to the gospel. And sometimes we fight over the symptoms of that. Sometimes we fight over the repercussions of that. Sometimes we fight over the symptoms of those problems, but our real fight is spiritual, okay? Let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six to prove this point. He says in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So whether you choose to believe that verse or not, it's in the Bible, okay? Which means God inspired Paul to write it. So we need to believe that, that the biggest battles we're facing have spiritual roots, okay? Now, does that mean that every time I encounter a physical problem, there's a spiritual explanation for it? Not necessarily. It doesn't mean that at all. That's why we give medicine to people who are sick because God has gifted a bunch of people with the ability to diagnose and treat physical problems. God has gifted a bunch of people with the ability to invent treatments and medicines that are necessary to treat certain physical issues. And most of the time, the physical healing that occurs here on earth is going to occur through medicine. Now, does that mean that God isn't physically healing anyone? 
No, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? God uses medicine. I believe the only way you're going to experience healing on this earth is if God is the one doing it. Even if he's using medicine, even if he's using a program, whatever it is, we address physical issues like illness or hunger physically. We address those issues with medicine. We address those issues with food, whatever people need. We also believe in counseling. We also believe in therapy. We also believe in recovery. We believe that there are mental and emotional issues that need to be addressed. Sometimes we need some help. Sometimes we need a community of people to lift us up. So we believe that there are physical problems that need to be addressed. We believe that there are mental and emotional problems that need to be addressed. But we also believe that there are spiritual problems that need to be addressed. And here's how I believe we should treat every problem we have, regardless of its nature. If you come to me with a problem, this is what I'm gonna say. We need to address this in each one of those ways, okay? We take a holistic approach. In other words, let's talk about what might be going on physically. Let's talk about what might be going on mentally and emotionally. And let's also talk about what might be going on spiritually. Because if we tackle our problems with each one of those approaches, chances are we're gonna come out of it, all right? So we need to be very, very careful and intentional about looking at all of our problems holistically. But at the same time, we don't want to deny the fact that there are issues that we're facing that are completely spiritual in nature, okay? So sometimes I face issues that have a physical explanation. Sometimes I face issues that have a mental or emotional explanation. In the same way, sometimes I face issues that have a spiritual explanation. So what does that mean? That means that there's a spiritual battle taking place, okay? And Paul tells us, he says, you need to understand that your real fight, your biggest fight isn't flesh and blood, okay? It's deeper than that. It's darker than that. And it's just as real. It's just taking place in a different realm, okay? And when we're dealing with spiritual problems, we absolutely cannot discount the role of prayer. We need to ask for God's protection. And Jesus teaches us to pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, okay? We need his protection because the real fight that we're fighting is a spiritual fight. And if the fight that we're fighting is a spiritual fight, then the answers to that problem are going to be spiritual. That's where prayer comes into play, all right? So our real fight is spiritual. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Satan knows his weapons well, all right? And not only that, but he's out to get you. I believe it. And we don't wanna play with Satan, even though his doom is already sealed, right? And he knows that and he's mad about it and he doesn't stand a chance. When we talk about spiritual warfare, I don't ever want you to believe that it's God versus Satan, okay? Because that's not a biblical concept. It's God, period. There's only one being in all of existence that has power and that's God. And he grants and he allows and he gives for various purposes and for a various time. He permits certain authority to be given to things. If we have any power or any authority about our lives, it only comes from God because he is the only one who gives power and authority. He is in control, he is sovereign. And if Satan has any ability right now, it's because God is allowing it for a season. So it's not God versus Satan. It's not us really hoping that God's gonna win in the end. That's not how it works. God is the creator of all things. 
This is a battle that he has already won. He will reign victorious forever and ever and ever. There's no possibility of him losing, none whatsoever. The fate of Satan is sealed and he's done for and he's angry, okay? So you have to understand that the enemy is finite. He's not all that powerful. I'll say it this way. The only power Satan has over your life is the power you're giving him, okay? He's not all-knowing. He's not God. He would love for you to think he's all-knowing. He would love for you to think he's God. He would love to replace God in your life, but the reality is he's not God. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere at the same time like God is. With that being said, he knows a lot. And here's what he knows best. He knows his weapons well, okay? He knows where to attack us. He knows where we're vulnerable. And he knows enough of scripture to quote it to Jesus to try to tempt him to sin, all right? First Peter chapter five, verse eight tells us this, kind of a warning. Be sober-minded and alert because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour, all right? Satan knows his weapons well and he's hunting. And his weapons, they work. And they have since the very beginning of time. Think about how well his weapons worked on Adam and Eve, right? He uses his three weapons, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are Satan's weapons. And he knows them well. And the Bible mentions them over and over and over again. He used them against Adam and Eve. He tried to use them against Jesus. He used them against everyone in scripture who ever fell those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those weapons have worked so well for Satan that he has never had to change them or innovate them at all. He's used these weapons for thousands of years and they work just like a charm even today, all right? So the Bible tells us that he's prowling around like a a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. So it's good news that Jesus tells us, hey, on a daily basis, you need to pray for God's protection against those forces. We need to pray for God's protection against the weapons of the enemy. We need to pray for God's protection from that devouring that he is wanting to do, all right? So our real fight, our big fight, it's spiritual. Satan knows his weapons well. Here's the third thing, kind of touched on this already, that God has already won the war, okay? But the battle rages on. God has completely and decisively won this war but he allows the battle to continue to go on a little while longer. Why? So that more people can come to know him. It's not God versus Satan. And we hope that God wins in the end. The truth is God is the king over everything and everyone. Anything that happens either happens by his will or by his permission, all right? In Romans chapter eight, Paul is talking about his sufferings. And despite all of the suffering that he's endured, he says this in verse 37. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. He says, I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels or rulers nor things present or things to come or any powers or height or depth or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, despite everything it is that you're going through today, overwhelming victory is yours through Christ who loves you. You have extraordinary power available to you because God has won 
the war. He declared victory when Jesus rose from the dead. In that moment, the Satan, Satan's power was crushed. His doom is sealed and set. He cannot win. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you enter into a victory that is sure. Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, okay? In other words, you are beyond a winner. You're on the winning team, not because you're so good, not because of anything you've done, but because you follow a God who is completely victorious. You get to walk in victory today, all right? Sometimes what we need more than anything else in a moment of temptation is the power to say, you know what? I don't have to give into this because God is already victorious. You can walk away from temptation in confidence because you're a Christ follower. You can lean into the Holy Spirit and trust in your relationship with Jesus. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, temptation is not a threat to you any longer. You get to walk in victory because you follow the one who triumphed over all things when he rose from the grave, all right? The Bible tells us when he rose from the dead, he defeated death, he defeated sin, the grave, he defeated hell. And when you follow Jesus, you have some of that victory in your life. Now you're still gonna face battles on a daily basis. The war rages on, but no matter how tense the fighting gets, no matter how difficult it becomes, you know how it ends, right? In the end, you're gonna walk through as one who has already won because of your relationship with Jesus, right? So God is not threatened. Here's the fourth thing, number four. God gives us spiritual armor and weapons for the spiritual fight. Okay, in other words, the spiritual problems that we're facing require spiritual answers, require spiritual solutions. And God gives us some spiritual armor and weapons for that spiritual fight. Paul outlines it for us in Ephesians chapter six, verse 13, he says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. He says, stand therefore with truth, like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. He says, in every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, take the helmet of salvation lastly and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Just in case you didn't notice, every single one of those things is spiritual. And God provides us with each and every one of them. And that is armor that we can take up on a daily basis. In other words, whatever you need for the fight, God has already given it to you. You're not gonna end up needing something that you don't already possess. When you're faced with temptation, you have what you need. You have faith because God has given it to you. You have truth because God has given it to you. You have salvation because God has given it to you. It's a matter of this. Am I practicing and utilizing the full armor of God each and every day? Okay. Are you training with it? Because when the lie is whispered in your ear, you're going to respond the same way that you trained. And you can fight every single one of the enemy's lies with the truth of God's word. The question is, are you training? Are you practicing? Are you preparing? Are you putting the armor of God to use? And here's the final thing where it comes all back together today. Prayer is the battle plan, all right? Prayer is how we fight this battle. 
Paul lists out the armor of God we just read in the very next verse. This is what he says. He says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert for all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Okay? That is the plan for battle. Notice what Paul says. Pray at which times? All times. Not just in certain moments. Not just when things are looking really bad. Not just when I've done everything that I can do and now it's still bad and there's nothing else. Paul says, pray at all times. When the fiery darts of the enemy are shot at you, and they will be, your battle plan is prayer. It's not something we tack on to the end. It's not a secondary thought. It's not an afterthought. Prayer is the battle plan. Prayer is the way. It's the means by which God has decided to do certain things. I've said that from the very beginning of this series. There are heavenly things that will happen on earth in response to prayer. There are things that God will do on our behalf when we ask him to. Tony Evans wrote a book on prayer and he quoted, he said it this way and I love it. He said, prayer is earthly permission for heavenly interference. He said, it's earth giving heaven permission to intervene in the manifestation down here of the spiritual reality that is taking place up there. Prayer is earthly permission for heavenly intervention, interference. And he quickly clarified and said, now God doesn't need our permission, okay? He made that very clear. He's not saying that God isn't able to act until we ask him to. Here's what he is saying. God absolutely can and will act without us asking him to, but he has chosen and established that the way he's going to act is in response to us praying. And maybe you're at a place in your life right now where you're scrambling and you're stressing and the pieces of the puzzle just don't seem to be falling into place and you're at the end of your rope and you're trying to figure it all out. You're trying to work out these problems in your own strength. Listen, it's time to invite God in. There is a God who is sovereign. There is a God who can act. There is a God who can heal. And oftentimes the way he chooses to get involved in your life is in response to your prayer. Are you praying to him? Are you inviting him in? Are you asking that heaven would move on earth? That is the battle plan. It's not me and my own strength. It's not me and my own power. It's not me trying to find the strength within to overcome all these things. No, the battle plan is prayer. We start there, we finish there, we win there. Prayer is how we invite heaven to move in our lives here on earth. Now, when there's a physical problem, do we sometimes need medicine? Absolutely, but we also need prayer. When there's a mental or emotional problem, do we sometimes need counseling? Absolutely, but we also need prayer. Whatever type of problem it is that you're facing today, you still need heaven to move on your behalf. And I believe that heaven will move on your behalf when you pray. Prayer is the battle plan, all right? I'm convinced that as Christians, we cannot live our lives without prayer. 
John chapter 15. If you're looking for a passage of scripture that you want to memorize, this is the one. John chapter 15. Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine and you are the, the branches. And then he expands on that for a long time. But at the end, here's what he says. He says, without me, you can do nothing. And we need to humble ourselves under that reality that without God, we're incapable of anything. And prayer is what teaches us repeatedly just how much we need God. Because we don't have all the answers. We don't have a lot of strength. We don't have any holiness or righteousness apart from him. We need God. We can't avoid temptation on our own. We can't overcome sin on our own. We're completely reliant on him, completely dependent on him. And prayer, in essence, is how we humble ourselves before God in a posture of absolute and total dependence on him. God, give me the answers. Give me the strength. Give me the power. And the more you lean into him through prayer, the stronger you get. The more you lean into him through prayer, the more victory you experience. And the more you lean into him through prayer, the more peace you have in this life, okay? It's not about checking the box and going to church, doing some good things and earning points. And then when you've racked up enough points, God's gonna protect you. It's not how it works. It's not about earning something from him It's about the relationship that he wants to have with you. And I wanna ask you, in your relationships here on earth, how do you grow in your relationships with people? You grow by spending time with them, right? You grow by talking to people. You grow by getting to know one another. How do we grow in our relationship with God? In the same way. We grow closer to God when we talk to him. We grow closer to God when we spend time with him. We grow closer to God through prayer. So as we wrap up this series, this five weeks into the Lord's prayer, what's the point? What's the point of prayer? What's the point of the Lord's prayer specifically? I believe it's this. It's Jesus telling us, I want you to pray. I wanna hear from you and I wanna get involved in your life. And here's the thing. When you understand that, you now have access to everything else that you need for the rest of your life, all right? So let's pray together this morning. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Father, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for that prayer. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of prayer. What a privilege it is, God, to be able to pray to you. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you listen to us. We thank you that you hear us when we pray, that you're not tired of hearing from us, that you're not too busy to listen to us. 
So we pray, God, that you would help us to take everything we've discussed in these last five weeks and continue to apply it to our daily prayer lives. God, help us to continue practicing each of these five principles of prayer. And we pray, God, that you would continue to give us a greater understanding of just how important and powerful prayer really is. God, we pray that you would help us to see it the way you see it. We no longer wanna take for granted the great privilege we have of being able to communicate with you, the God of the universe through prayer. So give us, Father, a greater desire to pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment this morning, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Listen, God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And you can experience forgiveness and salvation in a relationship with Jesus. It's good news that God sent him to the world and he lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he came out of it alive so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you today, you wanna place your faith in Jesus. I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Let's make this our prayer. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.